You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 116. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care Hello and welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes the Martin Scorsese picture Goodfellas one sheet minute at a time. <laughs> My name is Conor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan <laughs> and Ron Richards. I got him. I got him. I was surprised. You went out of... Went out of the norm. I went for it. This minute starts with Henry lighting that cigarette while he's driving, as he started it last week, and it ends with Henry wheeling his brother Michael out of the hospital. This is, this this week, this week is Henry's bad day. This is this is Henry's very busy bad Sunday, as I like to call it. So, so uh, fun. Fa- I'm going to kick off the episode with a fun fact. This was the minute that we chose as a test to see if we could actually do this show. Yes, back Which in, I think the jury's still out on that one. But back in August, I believe, August 2015, where we had the idea, show. right? We chose a random minute without yeah. any preparation and, and did a test episode, and we it wasn't a complete disaster. So here we are. Here we all are. I'll be curious to see. I'll be curious to hear if this episode is better or worse than that one. Worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I wish proper. I had my notes for that one because I'm sure they were better. And and is this the uh, is this the first fun fact that actually is about us? Yeah, probably. It was yeah. it was bound to happen. Is yeah, it? the 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 one minute at a time was from a different thing. The fun yep. finite. It's we've we've jumped the we've jumped the shark. Yeah. So um so building on the fun fact uh I, I would like to I would like to note that I, I this week we would like to establish a drinking game of some sort, or right. at least to note. Uh, the number of times uh, Henry recaps his plan for the day. Okay, because this minute starts with Henry driving, lighting a cigarette, and he goes, so, and he's just coming from going to Jimmy's house, and he's going, so I'm going to pick up my brother, I'm going to take my brother back to the house, and then i got to go pick up the stuff in the pit. So, this, is a, this is a theme that will happen numerous times this week as Henry recaps the plan in voiceover. Well, this is a, this is a cocaine thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what, I... One of the things I loved about this minute and this week in particular is that it does a really good job of capturing the manic energy of this chapter of the book. Yes. Yeah. Which um, I reread it for you know for this week, and it almost That's feels nice. like that chapter is written in one ro- long run-on sentence. Because oh, yeah, it's very it's very Jack Kerouac esque. It's yeah. just like yeah. I, I went here and did this and did this and I did this and I had to go to this, and it, it's it's I was so stressed out at the end of that chapter, and this. This week and this minute, which kicks it off, it does the exact same thing. It's very visceral. Yeah, and you, and and in the book as well, in the chapter, he's he's recapping as the day goes, yes. like he's laying out the plan. So that said, I would like to also catch us up to the point where um, I have been plotting Henry's adventure uh, through Long Island and and New York City on this day. Um, and so we didn't talk about this last week. So to catch us up. As we saw, as we talked about last week, Henry woke up at what seven a.m. right? And yeah, uh, just six, before, yeah, yeah, six six thirty. He was morning, putting the remember? he was putting the stuff in the car at before seven, so he had to be up right. before Right. So he um, he goes from his house in Rockville Center to Jimmy's house in Howard Beach, right in Brooklyn, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, roughly about fifteen miles or tw- or twenty seven minutes away, and then now he's on the way to pick up his brother in the hospital now. Unknown what hospital it's meant to be. I could not find the shooting location for the movie. 
in the book he says he went to New York Hospital. Okay, right. so so I looked that up. Who knows what it was in 1980 when this happens? But as of today, there are three hospitals that are New York Hospital: one way down uh, in the south of Manhattan, one way up towards the Bronx. But then there's the New York Hospital Cornell Med Center, which is like 68th Street on the east side. So I'm gonna go with that, right? Because that seems the easiest, right? So he's on his way from Howard Beach to get to the hospital, which is another 14 miles, and on average, traffic would take about 43 minutes. So <laughs> that's at the, optimistic. That's optimistic. But what's interesting to note is that in this minute, we see after he's lighting the cigarette and recapping the day, he quickly slams on the brakes because there's a pileup on the road and he's, he's trying to avoid getting into that accident. Um, in the movie, my guess was this. My guess is that it's, it was filmed in Staten Island because that's where they filmed a lot of this day. So I don't know what road they filmed it on. But referring to the book, this almost accident occurred – on the approach to the Midtown Tunnel on the Long Island Expressway. You know that part where yep. if you're from New York, if you're driving on the LAE towards Manhattan where you go kind of go up and over a hill? Yeah. Uh, according to the by book. The mall? No, no, no. By, no, no, no. By, right after the, uh, right after the, the BQE uh, exit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and by the, by the graveyard. And uh, there's there's a part of the approach as you're coming towards Long Island City where you go up and you go up a hill and then you come down a hill to the Queens Midtown Tunnel. Uh, it sounds like that is where this pileup happened that he almost crashed into. So just to position us to where we are, he's right outside the the Midtown Tunnel. So. That would have been worse there. Yes. Then because I because you can. Uh, I, well, you know what? I, I want my my one of my only notes in this one was that, that I don't know that anything has ever captured. That surprise stop better than Goodfellas. <laughs> yes. That feeling of it doesn't even have to be distracted driving. It's just that you don't expect that thing to come. So you let your guard down for a half a second yeah. and then you slam the brake like that and you just wait. Yeah. Because you, you don't know what's going to, am I going to stop in time? And then if you do stop in time, there's the immediate. Is someone about to hit me now? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, or you decide, should I go off to the side? Maybe that will work. I've done that before. I feel and like also, the, the the off to the side move is a move that you learn later in life. When that's you're a, a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a snow move too. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I'm about to slide into this person, so I need to. I, I don't I'm think there was any off to the side option here. Look, I mean, this is. Oh, yeah, there yeah. was not. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a uh, raised median in this one. I, think. I would also like to note that for our, for our younger listeners, uh, possibly millennials, if you pause the frame where he's slamming on the emergency brake, you will notice a couple of things that don't exist in cars today. Okay, <laughs> Number one is an emergency brake that is a foot pedal and not a lever. In See, the I don't console. think I realized that, but that right? makes more sense. That, that, that exists in the book. Uh, it's, it still exists today, but it's not That's as – I mean, back in the day, that was the only way the emergency brake worked. And then, they, then in, the, in the 80s, we got the lever, right? Like I've rented Penske trucks that had those. Yeah, so, no, so. yeah, but, but my sister's minivan has that today still. So it's still, it's still in cars right. today. But the other thing that is not in cars today is that there is a metal button next – in between the brakes and the e-brake, which was the brights for headlights. Hmm. No shit. Yeah, head, head, brights for headlights used to be a floor button that you would click, and it would turn the brights on. And you, in, you in this car, someone for this, my father. Okay. No, I didn't. No, no. I mean, we we've discussed it before. It existed. I remember, uh, one yeah. of my friends in high school had a Chevy Nova, and she had the same thing. She had like a '76 Chevy Nova, and there was a a, a, a button in the, a, a button in the floor that would that controlled the brights. So well, the, I mean, the other thing that's happening now is that if you're driving a car now, uh, you know, it's it's got anti lock brakes. 
Right. And these cars did not. (laughs) That made a huge difference. He's standing on the brakes. Yeah, yeah. And I really like that. Like, it's all the way to the floor. You know, there's no... It's just, it's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like, you're you're at the mercy. Did you ever see, there was a video that went around at some point, and it was, like, some modern, like, Chevy Malibu, like, regular economy car, crashing uh, into a 57 Chevy. And there was, like, there's, there's, like, the idea that, you know, the cars in this 50s were all giant hunks of steel and you would be fine. And, like, the person in the Chevy was just destroyed. The the 57 was just destroyed. And then the Malibu was fine because they built them much better. Yeah. Like the idea that a giant hulking car is going to keep you safe is an incredible misnomer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is what we talked about last week with Ron's yep. car. Yeah. I say my dad. My dad felt self comfortable with me driving a large Capri Classic because I was surrounded by metal. And, yeah, but look that up. That's amazing. Like, the, yeah. like the the person is just destroyed in the old car. But uh, uh, there's such a visceral like the grimace. It's, Henry, Henry, Henry's uh, grimace. Oh, I, yeah. You, I know that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I understand. Like, it's it's right up there with that feeling of like speeding past a cop and go, well, yep. he's got me. <laughs> yeah. I can't do anything here. <laughs> yes, <No>. sir. <laughs> um. So Henry survives. Not he survives getting the accident, and he gets to the hospital to pick his brother. So and- now now it's eight forty five in the morning, just to keep track of time. So What's- which given given the traffic outside the tunnel and having to get in Manhattan and then go up about thirty blocks. Eight forty-five seems about right, and we and we've determined he's been up all night. Yes, or we've we've surmised. Well, he looks pretty shitty. We're guessing that at six thirty in the morning. That, that was the question last week. Is that yeah. was yeah. he just getting up, or, or had he not gone to bed yet? Yeah, I'm just revisiting that. That's yeah. I think that's where we landed last week. This is the, probably the worst Ray Liotta looks in the film. Yes. I don't. Point. I don't see him getting to bed at like twelve and then getting up at five. Right. Sensible hour. You know, it's ten thirty. I'm going to turn in. I got early tomorrow. Yeah, I, see, I don't think that happened because is the phrase Henry never said in his life at six fifty five. He doesn't look like he's like groggy. Well, but that but that said, maybe maybe he went to bed at three and got up at six thirty, and now in order to go, he needed to do a line. Like who knows? You know, I don't think he can do that. <laughs> I don't think he can get up at six thirty. <laughs> I just think that's not a thing. Like, yeah, this is not a man with an alarm clock. He's covered in a constant sheen of sweat this week, oh, and yeah. his hair is all over the place, and yep. uh, he's got crazy eyes going. Yep. So we get to the hospital, and that's where we see, he picks up his brother. We're going to talk about his brother in a couple of days. Um, but that's where we meet the meet, quote-unquote doctor, played by Isaiah Whitlock, who many fans of The Wire will recognize as uh, State Senator Clay Davis, one of the Shit. most, one of uh, the fan favorite characters of that show, whose tag, is- tagline was she... It's a long time before. This is ten years before that. Yes, More? not yeah. well known. I had only seen him in this, and he was in the Twenty Fifth Hour doing she. But he, he was re- she. he was recently in he was in season one of Gotham, I believe. Oh yeah, he's he, he's, he's a, he works a lot. He's but he's he's worked you know regularly since before the Wire. He is a, he's got eighty seven credits, and uh, he is he has also done a lot in Water Trifecta. Yeah. Oh, uh, nice. I was, I was thinking about it as I was writing my notes down. I don't even really just count Law and Order Trial by Jury or Law and Order LA. We just pretend those shows didn't happen. <laughs> the Law and Order Trifecta is the Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, and Law and Order Criminal Intent. Right. And he's done those three. And uh, his very first role was in 1981, A Christmas Carol, playing Party Guest. Oh, wow. That's, that's there nice. You so, so oh, in sorry, the, he's, he's it, from it, South Bend, Indiana. I'd like to tell people where people are from. Okay. 
So he's he's in this at playing a doctor, but it does not state whether or not he is a good doctor or not because he just gives Henry 10 milligrams of Valium. Does he not know he's high as a kite? Yes, he does. <laughs> he's bringing him down. Yeah, yeah, he is. And and it, to be fair, I think people had a slightly different take on Coke at that point. Right. I don't think... Uh, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, my, 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 my note here was like, does healthcare work like this anywhere today? Come here. Just right. wait. Come here. So let me check you. Can you even imagine that? Let me check you out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. no, no. Just take some of these drugs. Like, I don't, I don't you know, he didn't fill out yes. any forms. Yes, or actually, whatever. yes. I had an MRI, and they just gave me a Valium when I was ha- having trouble with uh, being in the tight space. And I didn't, they didn't charge me for it. No, but that was in the context of you getting the MRI. This is, this is more it. like, this is more like, Connor, if I came to pick you up after the MRI, and they're like, hey, you don't look so good. Well, that's come, that's. Let me treat you. That's yeah. the different part. But just just sort of s- giving you medicine and not charging you for it. No, but, that, but you're just described. That's normal. That's part of that process. I and heard. that said, and that said, look at your bill. I bet you got charged for it. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, the insurance companies. I just, I just mean though, like like the not even a walk in. Like he yeah. didn't even walk in to get an appointment, and he was just like, "Come here, let me treat you." And I like I'm blown away by the concept of that of a of a doctor ever doing that. And it happened. I mean, that's exactly also, what described in the book. And also, as far as I could tell, he's there for some sort of physical therapy. So what kind of doctor is he that he can do this? Like, it's, that's a good point. like what is his specialty here? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah. So um, but then my, my other question about this is that so I, now this is a re- reveal a little about me. I've never taken Valium. It's awesome. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, maybe that answers my question. What effect does 10 milligrams have, and should he be driving with someone who's wheelchair bound while on Valium? I don't know what the 10 milligrams part is. I know I would not, should not, and did not drive after I took mine. Well, my, 10 my pill, is a measurement. Yeah, well, I know what that. I'm, yes, a, I know what that means. I don't know what it means in terms of the effect of the wait, drug. I'm sorry. Mass. Um, <laughs> the pill he's taking is much smaller than the one I took, so I feel like I took way more than 10. Milligrams. I feel like 10 milligrams not is not a lot. He's just trying to bring him down. I think off. he knows immediately that he's on coke. Or something, some kind of upper. Some Look, this is a cool doctor. He knows what's up. He knows he's, he's flying cool high, and uh, he's just going to tell him to take the edge he off. He does that. He's got to get through the 18-hour shift. He knows about it. you got to bring it up, bring it down. you got to ride the levels. The greenies. That's what the blueies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 10 milligrams is not is like enough to relax you, but it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. enough to yeah. yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. what's going on there. Okay, all right. I, I, I had a lot of last week. I took mine and I, I, yelled, I had a lot of pancakes. I yelled medic and someone stuck it in my leg. <laughs> no, that's not how it worked. Um, so there's a, are we, are, we have other notes on those things. There's, there's a lot of music in this, in this minute. Yeah. Go so ahead. we've got three songs. Uh, in, one, in, one, in one minute. In one minute. And it's going to continue this way all week. And we, we're going well, back. It's, and it's more the manic energy of it. Yeah, totally. So, and it works. So the, so the people complaining about the music are going to have to deal with it. it they definitely are. Uh, so uh, it's funny because even as we talk about these things and the sort of bit flashes in our head about what part we're talking about, I hear that music in my head. So as we're talking about like the, the breaks, you know, I'm hearing Mick Jagger and I'm you know, like, it's, it's really uh, a huge part of this scene. This is like the, the music montage. This is the music montage, really, uh, I think of uh, rock and, and, and modern movies. Uh, so we've already heard Jump Into the Fire and Monkey Man. We've already talked about those. Uh, but we do get introduced to uh, Magic Bus by The Who. Um, this is not the studio album version. This is the live at Leeds version. 
Um, written by Pete Townsend, 1968 was the original version. Uh, the live album uh, was released in 1970. Uh, the regular song is, I think, less than three minutes, but this one is uh, eight minutes, uh, which was very common of The Who when they would perform live. Um, John Entwistle, the bass player, hated this song uh, because he would just be playing the same note over and over again the entire time. It's like rock band. It was an, it was an E. Um, notable. That's a fair thing to be upset about. Yeah. Well, you know, the Ox didn't want to mess around. Um, he chose to be a bass player. He did. Well, he, I don't know if you've heard him play bass. He really he took that very far than, than most people did. He was the, the first, sort of a original giant lead bassist guy. Um, this is the only song this week that does not feature. Actually, no, there's one other song, but it doesn't feature Jim Gordon drumming. It's Keith Moon, obviously, of The Who. Uh, <laughs> This this version of this song has been used in a lot of things. Uh, it's uh, live at Leeds is sort of I would consider to be one of the greatest live rock albums of all time. It's uh, that's what the Who were great at. They were a wonderful live rock band, and and the live version of their song sounded so much more alive and vibrant than the uh, than the sort of studio versions. Like the studio version of this song is is fine uh, with the little wood blocks, but uh, but the live one is is super fun. Big harmonica thing in the middle of it. Um, now to, now to personalize it, I went through a intense Who period in middle school. Sure. Like I, uh, a huge, huge Who fan. Who fan. And uh, if I, had I like to, you as well. If I had to, yeah. If I had to rate um, the Who songs in terms of preference, this is low on the list for me. I'm not a big fan of this song. I would have said that until I got to the live version, and the live version is really, really kind of fun. If you also put in the context of sort of their going towards a harder style. It is in an early part that's kind of important. Like it, it, I don't know. Like I feel like it was a turning point for them, but it, it's kind of jammy too. Yeah. I like it. I, I, there's, there's a sort of groove. There's almost like a like a Bo Diddley groove to it. Actually, there is a Bo Diddley groove to it. That junk, 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 That's that's this. Yeah. Uh, that's in this, and you know, you get because Ant Whistle has to hang on that one note. Keith Moon gets to go all over the damn place, um, and they can have a lot of fun with it. I, the live live who I think the who is the greatest live rock band ever. So, and that live at Leeds album is is wonderful. So, this is a good little bit from it. You can feel all the energy. All right, have some Valium. Uh, maybe I need some Valium. You might need some Valium. <laughs> what's the top? Wait, wait. I just want to. What's at the top of your who list then? Bob O'Reilly. This since you. No, no, no. You don't like Bob O'Reilly? By who's next? It was over. Uh, all right, this, this is another. This is a conversation for another <laughs> time. Another, their, another their, time. Their, their performance, uh, their live performance of stuff up until Who's Next, so like 70 or so, going from Woodstock to like when they were doing Tommy live and then all that, all, all that other early stuff live, and they would just play for three hours and all the songs would be 15 minutes. That was their apex to me. Um, then, then they got to who's next in it. The studio, it was too much, too, too stadium. At the same time, I love Quadrophenia. So, yeah, no, the who are important. The who are important. Excellent. I acknowledge. All right, I guess we should talk about the movie again. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you have anything else about the movie to talk about? I got nothing else. I took some Valium. I'm sorry. While while you were talking about the who live, I took a Valium. That's fine. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm gonna start taking Valium on the podcast live. <laughs> Well, this is going to be a weird week because because uh, I'm on Valium. Well, that, but also because um, <laughs> I'm on the There's films. not a lot happening. Not a lot happening. There's a lot oh, of yeah. Henry driving from place to place. Well, the thing is, is that whenever something doesn't happen, we'll get the plan for the day recap. So it's okay. <laughs> well, the fuck count was zero for this minute. Yep. And uh, right. that's it for minute one fifteen. I'm sorry. 
Uh, tune in tomorrow for 117. Until then, you can check us out on Twitter at GoodfellasMin and on Instagram and Facebook at GoodfellasMinute. And you can find all of our episodes at GoodfellasMinute.com. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash GFM. That's where you can give us some uh, cash. And if you do a certain level, you get your very own mob nickname, which we give out on Friday's show. This week, we're giving out two more mob, mob nicknames. So look forward to that. You can also help us out by going to goodfellasminute.com slash support, where you can shop via Amazon. You can buy the movie. You can buy the book. You can buy who albums. You can buy whatever the hell you want, really. And if you have any questions or concerns, if you're worried about Ron and his newfound volume habit, email us at contactgoodfellasminute.com. And until then... Give me my pills! You have any uh, extra? Or will I go from a rags to return? My fate is up!